Hello and welcome to the Best Boys Podcast. I'm Best Boy Dan. And I have one less bone in my head than I did the last time you heard my voice. And I am definitely the podcast host with the cleanest butthole in the game. Congratulations. (laughs) We are recording this right after my colonoscopy. (laughs) Because we we did it for you. <laughs> we did it for you, best buds. Um, so yeah, so uh, we're going to kind of like cut to the chase. Uh, it is our summer 2023 top 10 what to watch list. We got a great list for you. Um, so we're just really going to get into it today. Best Boy Justin does have one news story for you. So what you got for us, Best Boy Justin? Yeah, so this is, we weren't even going to do news today, but this is like a breaking news, very important stuff. Um, just announced by Adult Swim um, that it is producing a new original anime titled Lazarus, titled Lazarus for Toonami, uh, being directed by Shinichiro Watanabe. It's a little name you might have heard from Cowboy Bebop. Samurai Shampoo, Space Dandy, uh, what was it? Yeah, no, just a (laughs) no-name person. Um, And it is also being um, uh, produced by Studio Mappa, um, who you might know. Mm, Um, But in addition to that, um, the the person that they have designing the action sequences, um, and this is a name you may not recognize unless you're like a hardcore like film person, but um, Chad Stahelski is going to be doing the action sequences for this science fiction action anime. And uh, he's the person who did the uh, who did the stuntman and direction for John Wick. Yeah. Um, the anime will feature a score by jazz saxophonist Kamasi Washington, who's a personal favorite of mine. Um, I don't know if you ever, you ever listened to Kamasi Washington, Dan? Not. I'll send you some tracks later. Excellent. Let's he's, do it. He's a really solid uh, jazz saxophonist. Um Adult Swim describes the story as the year is 2052, an era of unprecedented peace and prosperity prevails across the globe. The reason for this, mankind has been freed from sickness and pain. Nobel winning, uh, Nobel Prize winning neuroscientist Dr. Skinner has developed a miracle cure-all drug with no apparent drawbacks called Hapuna. Hapuna soon becomes ubiquitous and essential. However, soon after Hapuna is in, uh, officially introduced, Dr. Skinner vanishes. Three years later, the world has moved on, but Dr. Skinner has returned, this time as a harbinger of doom. Skinner announces that that Hapuna has a short half-life. Everyone who has taken it will die approximately three years later. Death is coming for this sinful world, and coming soon. As a response to this threat, a special task force of five agents is gathered from across the world to save humanity from (laughs) Skinner's plan. This group is called Lazarus. Can they find Skinner and develop a vaccine before time runs out? Um... So this is huge. I mean, Shinichiro Watanabe is like a god amongst sci-fi directors. Yeah, the story sounds amazing. Uh, Map is great. Um, I'm really looking forward to this one. Yeah, that that sounds super interesting. And I I also want to point out, like, when when I think about Cowboy Bebop, I think about, like, how well the hand-to-hand combat is drawn in that. Yeah. So, like, and, and that is... A very particular kind of uh, style of combat, and you know, yeah. John Wick has a very different style of combat. So it, it will be really interesting to see that in kind of his, you know, animated world. And yeah, I'm also really curious to how it ties into everything else in the universe. Yeah, well, I mean, because you have like Cowboy Bebop had a very kung fu <laughs> movie inspired 
hand-to-hand combat system. It was very much reminiscent of, you know, like your old kung fu films. You got like stuff like stuff like Jet Li. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas like with John Wick, you kind of have this more like tactical, modern, like combat style. It's almost kind of like you ever see Equilibrium also with oh, yeah, um, Gunkata. Yeah, Gunkata <laughs> almost with uh, with John Wick, which yeah. was also with Keanu Reeves, so that makes sense. Actually, no, was that Keanu Reeves? I don't remember. No, that was the other guy. That was Ethan Batman. Ethan Hawk? It was Ethan no. Hawk and no, it was um I'm thinking of Gattaca. Yeah, no, it was oh he played Batman. Huh? Oh, oh, you're right, you're right. Um, Christian Bale. Yes, yes, Christian it. Bale. Uh, I don't know why I thought that was Keanu Reeves. Anyway, um, but yeah, so I'm super excited for that. Uh, having Kamasi Washington do the score for a movie by, Shinichi, uh, for a, uh, an anime by Shinichiro Watanabe, if you told me that this was going to happen five years ago, I would have been like, yeah, you're just trying to get me to buy something. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm super I mean, they excited. Are. I, they, they are, and I'm going to. Um, I'm going to buy the album for this. I'll probably buy it on vinyl, even though I don't have a uh, <laughs> a turntable. <laughs> Just lick it and be yeah. like, oh, I can taste the Exactly. Mm, that good good vinyl. Anyway, um, so yeah, we, that's it for us this week for anime news. We've got a lot to cover um, with our anime top ten. So we're just going to dive straight on in uh, to the meat and potatoes of this week's episode. <laughs> Summer. Twenty twenty three. That's right, Best Buds. We have more anime recommendations than liquids shot from cavities of my body (laughs) within the last 24 hours. Terrifying. (laughs) Uh, Up first, we have our runner-up, which didn't quite make the top ten. Although I guess Uh, it kind of did because we're talking about it, but... Yeah, um, but, you know, it doesn't have the distinction of a number. We didn't even give it 11. It just gets runner-up. Yeah. Um, and that's Helk, which is not any, like, dis to it, because Helk is actually really enjoyable. Yeah, it's got that kind of almost like an 80s anime design feel to it. It reminds me a little bit of, um, oh god, what was that show on Netflix, the one that Jamie really liked, the metal show? Oh, um, dark metal fantasy. Yeah, that's um, the that's the title of it after the colon. Yeah, I don't remember the actual <laughs> title, but yeah, it, it reminds me a little bit of that, um, just in the way the characters are designed, um, and the story. The story hasn't grabbed me yet. I'll be honest with you. That's why it's it's sitting here as a runner up. Um, but I am interested in it. I did enjoy the first episode. So and and so that's the thing. And and Helk is uh, is one of the shows you can find on High Dive this season. Um, and it comes to us from uh, Studio Satellite. Um, it there's something about it. Like the premise is basically there is um, this human who is competing in the tournament to be the next demon lord after the most recent one has fallen and the whole thing about demons in this world is that them and humans are mortal enemies so there's kind of the event organizers who are trying to keep him from 
winning the tournament because they they don't trust humans, which would make sense in this world. But but Hulk also hates humans for some reason that we don't know. Yeah, and so like, there's no way like the the demons would be on Hulk's side, and then you see all the demons cheering, and they're like, "We love you, Hulk!" And yeah. Hulk's like, "Kill all the humans." <laughs> Um, but there's, like, something else going on behind the scenes, and they've only kind of alluded to it, which is why I think this show is not on the top ten, is because I think there is something really interesting coming, which is why we want to bring it to your attention, but we just don't have enough evidence to see if that's going to pan out for you. Yeah, it's it's still it's still up in the air right now. Um I've heard good things about the story, so we'll keep an eye on it. We'll let you know. Yeah. Um but next up, beginning our actual top 10 list, uh coming in at number 10 is Tempuru, No One Can Live on Loneliness. Um and uh wow. Justin wanted to put this yeah. as as number one, and I had to like get him to put it back lower on Well, this. yeah, you know me. I'm just super into etchy harems. That's my favorite thing. Um, <laughs> but this one's it, it's gonna be streaming on Crunchyroll, or it is rather streaming on Crunchyroll. Comes to us from Gecko. Um, and it basically it centers around the story of this kid whose dad abandoned him at a young age to go be a womanizer. Um, and he basically grew up... <laughs> Best anime dad ever. Yeah, right? <laughs> um, and he basically grew up, like, his whole thing is, like, he doesn't want to be like his father, right? So he's he's not gonna he's not gonna get, fall in love. He's gonna basically follow his path to, to becoming a, a well-respected civil servant and live a life of, like... Free like from chastity, temptation. Free from temptation, yeah. Um, but then, of course, he ends up falling in love with a girl... And, you know, his life spirals and then he decides he needs to join a temple. And because it's anime, of course, the temple that he joins is full of women, including the woman that he fell in love with. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you can tell by the tone <laughs> of my voice. It's not my favorite show. So what I will say about Tenpuru is that, like, I think strong Lavina vibes to it. Um, it is, if you are looking for, like, an etchy harem show. I think of ones that have come out recently, this is like kind of the more pure example of, of that genre. See, for me, it had a redeeming quality until episode two. And that redeeming quality was that the main character is a college student. And I was like, mm-hmm. okay, well, at least, you know, it's a more adult romance story. But then you find out that the main love interest is 17. So <laughs> there is that. There's that. Yeah. And and there's like a lolly girl in it. Too. Yeah, but so far she hasn't been looted except in the except in the credits. Except the in the credits, credits scene which is fucking ridiculous. There are, there are there are three people who are looted in the credits and she is one of them and yeah. that does not bring up you know good vibes. Yeah, no, it is it is uh the credit sequence is wild. But if you are interested, like literally in the plots. first the first <laughs> frame of the credit sequence is just a whole ass. Yeah, if you want plot, this is the show <laughs> to see. I would say. Yeah. Um. There's some some pretty well drawn plot. Sliding but, out of my asshole number nine. <laughs> <laughs> Being ripped violently out of my gums at number nine. Uh and if if you're not into the plot, we have a little bit 
I, there's not really any plot in this show. Uh, level one demon lord and one room hero. I'll fight you on that. There oh, is no, plot is there? in this show, yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah, both kinds of plot. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Um, I have not seen that part yet. But the parts I have seen I've really enjoyed, which is why we have put it on number nine. Uh, level one demon lord and one room hero is coming to us on high dive um, from Blade and Silverlink. Um, Both respectable names. This is a, this is an interesting show. So the basic premise is again, you know, demon lords defeated. Yeah. Um, and you know, vows revenge on the hero. They will, uh, you know, reincarnate one day and and seek their revenge. And they just can't wait to fight this hero again. It was such a good battle that they reincarnate a little bit early. They're not fully formed uh, as a full demon lord, so they're kind of like a chibi child yeah. uh, character uh when they come back into the world and are excited and ready to seek revenge on on the uh hero who defeated them only to find out that uh the world has kind of moved on and when they go to seek out their former foe the hero has basically become a shut-in because they're actually just a trash person and kind of what I would actually expect most of the heroes who defeat demon lords to really be like, mm. you know, kind of like the jock, like kind of guy who's like, yeah, you know, when I was, you know, in my early twenties, I defeated the demon lord. Uh, I've been selling Fords out on the interstate ever since, <laughs> <laughs> you know, kind of thing. But basically you find out he had a whole bunch of like womanizing scandals and whatnot and it kind of is seems like it's going to be about like the demon lord kind of helping the hero get back to you know being, being a hero again it's kind of it's half that and it's also half kind of like an indictment of the way modern society loves to see like a hero fall because we we come to find out like in the second episode that like parts of the negative things about his reputation are true and parts aren't. Mm. So like parts are like media exaggerations and like social media rumors and stuff like that. But also there are parts of it that are <laughs> absolutely real. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting watching the demon Lord kind of navigate that um, dynamic where they're like, Oh, you know, maybe you're not as trash of a person as, as you seem, but you're also still trash. Um, but I like the show. It's, it's very funny. Gray, which is important. Yeah. Right? Like I, I, bringing that up having parts of it that are true and parts of it that are exaggerated is just such a real thing right like in reality like no one is an all well most people are not all bad people or like all good like there's shades of gray yeah exactly um and i think this show does a pretty good job talking about that while also still being funny and goofy it was very funny the, the episode i saw yeah um but moving on from uh, from number nine, we've got number eight, um, and that is Reign of the Seven Spellblades. Um, now this is an interesting show because um, the uh, it's it's the story is kind of like um, Harry Potter, but also there's a samurai. Um, so it comes to it's streaming on Crunchyroll. It was a little out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the it's it's uh, streaming on Crunchyroll. It comes to us from JC Staff, um, and yeah, basically it follows these like seven 
students at this like magical um, Hogwarts. It's Hogwarts. Yeah, it's basically Hogwarts. <laughs> Legally distinct yeah. from Hogwarts. Um, and one of them is a samurai for reasons that we don't understand quite yet, and might not ever. We don't know. Um, but the thing, the reason why it's it's on this list, because obviously the story is not groundbreaking, right? Um, but the reason why it's on this list is because of how gorgeous the animation is. Um, animation on Reign of the Seven Spellblades is really really good the magic sequences are really well done there's like this one part i remember where they were all introducing themselves and they each like conjured like a floating map to show like where their homeland was and that was done really well um it reminds me of the magicians which was like a book series and then a tv series uh, the did thing it have that, a samurai no <laughs> but it had a similar um stake to its magic which is Something that I appreciate. Like, they say up front, like, 20% of the people who go to this academy are going to die. Yeah, which is wild. And and it's and it's it's called, like, being taken over by the spell or something like that. But essentially yeah. it's, like, not knowing your limits, like, having, you know, pouring too much magic out and then, like, dying. Or, like, summoning a creature you can't, like, control and, mm-hmm. it, like, dragging you to hell or something like that. And, like... I appreciate that there is a stake to it because I can't imagine that if you would have magic in real life that you know it'd be as fucking happy-go-lucky as it is in Harry Potter like yeah people would like lose limbs all the time well like imagine if like you got into <laughs> high school and at your entrance ceremony they were like look to your left and then look to your right and then in every other cardinal direction only one of you will live yeah <laughs> it's like okay but, like, it, that's, you know, that is at least interesting. The The reason this, I don't think, is higher up on the list is because, again, it's a great concept, but it's, how are they going to execute it? Yeah, it's not fully fleshed out yet. That doesn't, that's not to say that it's not good. Obviously, it's on our top ten list because it's something that you should keep an eye on. Um, but it's not, you know, it's not as fully fleshed out as some of the other shows that we're going to be talking about coming up soon. Yeah, and I think you'll see kind of with this list, too, there's, like, definitely a point we get to in it where, like, it's, like, full-throated, like, recommendations for everything. Hey, yo! But this is, this is like, the top ten, like, what-to-watch list, which is, like, why we have, like, Tempuru on it. It's, like, these are kind of a spread of everything that you have there. And, and what's nice about this season is... It doesn't matter what you're into. There's a little something for everyone. Too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, speaking of things that are that are uh, have a little bit for everybody, Dan, why don't you t- tell us a little bit about some of these returning shows? Yeah, so I think we'll do this a little different this time since uh, Best Boy Justin and I are actually like in studio together uh, for the first time in a while. Even Best Bud Carlos is is uh, recording with us today. Um, but we, we have four returning shows, um, that we're going to discuss. Obviously there's a whole bunch that came out. We can only watch so many. We watched 28 new shows this season for new best buds. And only 10 made this list. Can you believe it? (laughs) 10 ish made this list. And it's interesting while we're talking about this, just real quick, it's funny because the process that we have when we're putting together these episodes, um, there are shows that are not on this list that I will be continue to watch. Oh, yeah. And there are also shows on this list that I will never watch another episode of, most likely. Oh, absolutely. Um, that's just kind of the way the way it ends up. Like, sometimes the top ten shows are not the top ten shows that everybody should watch. Yeah. Um, that's These, just the way she goes. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, listen to the, you know, descriptions. Um, 
see what interests you and then also like pay attention because especially towards the end like the once we get towards the top of our list for these it's always like there's a reason why these are on the top yeah um so uh in terms of the returning shows that we're keeping an eye on we have Jujutsu Kaisen uh the second season Mushoko Tensai uh Jobless Reincarnation season two the Duke of Death and His Maid season two and Harimia the Lost Chapter it's the missing pieces actually (laughs) that's why I put this here (laughs) you did look it up I knew it was not the lost chapter but I definitely was just like yeah it's the same thing (laughs) (laughs) um so, I have only watched one of the Harimi episodes. It was nice. I know you have some stuff to say about it. Yeah. Uh, I haven't seen Duke of Death and his maid, but I have seen Jujutsu Kaisen and Mushoko Tensai, all three episodes that are out for both of them, and am so excited. I have a couple things I want to say. One, Mushoko Tensai remains... I think a modern masterpiece. I think we are watching something on the level of like Attack on Titan. Oh wow! Okay, right now for real, I think that this show will actually go down as one of the best isekai fantasy stories in modern history. Like this is, I I think one of the best animes on like shows on TV right now. Yeah, uh, and when season two came back. Um, I know there's pterodactyls in my building. <laughs> I'm sitting here like, holy, it's like, should we do something? Like, no, it's you just kind of give in to the to the Jurassic Park. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Uh, you can't sing anymore. Only five seconds. Yeah, no, that's it. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, it, it's just it, it's top to bottom, just such a good show. Yeah, I really like Mushoku Tensai. I've watched the first episode. Um, and for like it was interesting because it, it's it kind of the way the first episode is laid out it gives you a little bit of time to to reorient yourself right mm-hmm. so like we haven't seen the show in probably what like two years right this is a year and a half yeah something like um, that so like they're dropping you in with um, Sylphie the elf character mm-hmm. and just like the way they managed to to make it feel familiar. While at the same time going, hey, we're introducing you to a whole other arc. Um, is just really well done. Also, the way she just absolutely yeeted someone out of a wall. That was pretty cool, too. Yeah. Um, but it continues to be top-notch, well-animated, good storytelling. Um, and, and I think, and you haven't gotten to this part yet, but when we join our protagonist in, in the next episode, it the show picks up right where it left off, but having that buffer of that first episode really does make that introduction back into the main storyline like very smooth. And what I love about it is that it directly tackles the end of what kind of happened last season. So I think when all is said and done and you watch this as one piece, it's also going to be like a really well-flowing story, which is nice. Yeah. Um, the other thing I want to say, the other point I want to make about Jujutsu Kaisen is there has been a lot of hype surrounding Jujutsu Kaisen since it aired and in between the time it aired way more, uh, shockingly more than like Chainsaw Man, Mm -hmm. I think, um, 
Jujutsu Kaisen really blew up. In the time since it's aired, I've kind of come to doubt in my mind it a little bit. And I'm like, okay, Jujutsu Kaisen's back. Like, is it as good as I remember it with all the hype going on? And yes, it's really good. Yeah. Um, yeah, Jujutsu Kaisen is fucking phenomenal. It's it's firing at top notch. I love that they're telling this kind of like story about like Gojo and the uh, like villain guy like mm-hmm. in the past. It, it's interesting and also an interesting place to take it, having just done the movie. Yeah, um, especially because like the way they have designed the set of characters for this season, it on some levels feels like the same kind of dynamics between the the core set of characters we have from season one, but there are also subtle enough differences where you are reminded, like, okay, this is different. Like, the way they talk to each other is slightly different, and we know where it leads, mm-hmm. you know? Um, it was like you have that kind of slapstick comedy between um, Gojo and... Uh, I'm drawing a blank on his name. Yeah. Um, bad guy. The bad. guy who becomes the bad guy later. <laughs> yeah. um, you have that kind of slapstick comedy, but there is also still, like, an edge of tension between them. Yeah, it has the same voice that the show has, even with different characters being present telling this story. Yeah. The only thing that's a little jarring is like you're you know expecting to come back into like a story that has a main character to it. Yeah. And you you start to question you're like wait is is Gojo the main character in this? Um but I I think that you know there's a reason they're telling this story before I think they get into what will be the rest of this season. Yeah. Um because I, I get the impression this isn't going to be, like, the whole season, this story arc. I think it's just going to be, like, you know, maybe four or five episodes in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, but Before we get to see my best girl again. Yeah. I can love Nobara. She's the, she's the fucking goat. Um, Goated. <laughs> but, yeah, it's if you haven't seen the first season, Jujutsu Kaisen is, like, one of the best shonen's at right now. Yeah, absolutely. Without a doubt. Um Moving on to something a little bit different uh, from the past two that we just talked about. Um, a lot a lot of it different. We're going to talk about the Duke of Death and His Maid. Um, I really love this show. I was super surprised when I heard it was coming back because to me, it kind of had the feel... Because I liked the show, but the way it was... The way they ended it kind of made it feel like they were just like, okay, the, this is all we're doing. You can go read the, anim- uh, the manga for the rest. Um... But that's a, you know, obviously that's not what they did. It's back this season. And it's starting off really good. Um, the thing I like the most about Duke of Death and His Maid is that it manages to really balance um, this kind of... It's it, it's partially an etchy comedy, right? Um, but it is also, like, a very serious, like, romantic drama. Um, what What is interesting to me about it is, on its surface, it looks like it's way more of an etchy comedy than it is. Yeah. Like, yeah. that's a small part of the overall picture. Yeah, and, like, what we're doing now in this season, we're delving more into, like, the, the way the, the magical world in this setting works, which is super interesting. Um, and... Uh, you know, this is kind of my my point where I'm going to tell you, like, if you didn't watch season one, um, but if you're at all interested in, like, any kind of, like, romantic drama, um, you don't mind a little bit of etchy, you like some comedy, um, I think this is a really good show for anybody who's interested in any of those things I just said. Um, and I'm really glad to see that it came back for a season two, and I've been, you know, really enjoying watching it. Um, so, yeah, check that one out. Yeah. 
Lots of plot. A lot of plot in that storyline, I'll tell you what. Um, speaking of something that doesn't have any plot at all... <laughs> In different ways, actually. No, we're, we're going to talk about Haremia, the the, uh, the missing oh, piece. Oh, I was laughing because I was looking at the next one on the list. Oh, my <laughs> tiny stuff. No, we'll, we'll get... We'll get to that. Um, no, Haremia, the missing pieces. Um, so, I'm, I have mixed feelings about this because I love Haremia. Probably up there in my top five rom-com uh, anime. And... Um, I'm really glad it's back. I've been enjoying watching it, but I just hate that this is how we're getting these stories. Like, they're telling really great stories from the manga that they skipped over in the anime, and that, like, every story that I'm seeing, I'm thinking, like, it was on my list of things like, oh, I wish they did this in the anime. So, like, it's hitting all those those numbers, but, like, I wish they had just done it in the show when it aired and just done two seasons because Mm -hmm. it feels disjointed. At the beginning of every episode, you have to reorient yourself into where it is in the story. Yeah. Um, So, like, the first episode, I'm like, I remember the sequence because I read the manga. I remembered the arc that they were doing, right? Uh, Which is the where... um, Miyamura doesn't... He's trying to get out of having to swim... um, for school because he has a bunch of tattoos that he's not supposed to have. Um, So, like, I remember that, but, like, in my head, I'm trying to think, I'm like, are they dating yet at this point or not? Like, I don't remember, like, where we're located in the story right now. So, like, I wish if they were going to do this anyway, which I don't know how the production process went behind the scenes. Maybe they never expected Haremia to be as big as it was, which I don't know why. It's one of the best, like, most um, well-regarded rom-com manga uh, in a very long time, so I don't know why they wouldn't think it'd be commercially viable. Um, but I would much rather they, instead of doing this, had just included these scenes in the original run and just made two seasons. Or or if you're going to air these new ones, just, like, air it in continuity with the first season, too. So, like, make it a, you know... 26 episode long second season where you air the first and you know the interspersed bits of the second season throughout it so you have one complete story in chronological order yeah so i think you know for as far as things go with this one if you read the manga and you're very familiar with the storyline and you were just missing some of these really great arcs this is good for you if you never if you only watched the anime you know, it's going to be tough for you to locate yourself in these episodes. I have one better. What's that? Wait for this to finish airing. And then try to figure out... No, no, no. <laughs> I, I guarantee you someone's going to make a list. Yeah. And then just watch whatever order that list says. It's going to be tough, though, because some of the times they're they're completely skipping over entire arcs in between episodes. So, like, you would have to, like, watch half an episode and then stop and then watch an episode someone's of the Someone's going to make a sheet. Then, you know Yeah. It. No, I know someone's going to do it. It's just going to be tough. Um, but but yeah. that's the way you should watch it. So yeah, those are my thoughts on Haremia, the missing pieces, um, and uh, and yeah, that's that's I think where I'm going to leave it for now. Yeah, which brings us nicely back to our list and number seven, which we've already alluded to, which is my tiny senpai. Um, that comes to us from Project Number Nine and airs on Crunchyroll, uh, and. Uh, I mean, my tiny senpai is basically just Uzaki-chan, and uh, my senpai is annoying, 
had a baby. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> like, like I, it is exactly those things. I can't really find anything else. It's um, the senpai is a tiny uh, woman with a, a large chest, and then she has her kohai, and they're romantically interested. And their boss really wants them to hook up. Yeah, so I actually, I read the manga for this one. I really enjoy it. Um, there is actually a spinoff of this um, manga. I'm not going to tell you the title because the title in and of itself is a spoiler. Um, it's not really a spoiler. They run concurrently. So, like, you know what's going to happen. But I'm not going to say it. If you want to find it, you can look it up. It's very easy to find. Um but uh, I really like this show just because one of the things they do so well, and a lot of shows mess this up and it's, it's weird, is that um, anytime you have a really short female like love interest, they always m make them like a child. They're like, it's like, oh, this is an adult, but she looks and acts and talks like a child. Mm. Whereas in this case with My Tiny Senpai, you have someone who is just short. Yeah. Like, she is an adult. She is a fully formed adult. Um, she acts like an adult. <clears throat> she she doesn't seem like a child. She looks like an adult who's just short. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that's really well done. Um, so if you've ever watched one of those shows with, like, a tiny female character who's oh, totally an adult, but is look, looks and acts and talks like a child, um, and that annoyed you, this is something that this show does not do. Um, but other than that, um, the story is cute. I love all the characters. I love the manager who constantly wants to get them to bone. It reminds me of the uh, the the side characters in Uzaki-chan. Yeah, like the coffee shop owner and his daughter. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, for, for the listeners who do want to know what the manga is titled, uh, little spoiler segment, will you tell them what it is? Oh, man, I'm going to have to put in a spoiler part and... <laughs> All right, yeah, fine. Um, if you don't want to know, then fast forward thirty seconds. I'm not going to put it in the show notes because I'm not going to. <laughs> yeah. Um, but double here we go. To fast forward. Yeah, double tap like three times to fast forward. The 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 spinoff is called um, um, My Tiny Wife. Uh, so. Or the full title is My Wife is Tiny and Adorable. So I can't wait till they run the third concurrent one, which is My Tiny Divorce. My Tiny Divorce, good God. <laughs> you, you, wanted, you wanted to include spoilers in the episode just so you could make that joke? Absolutely. Fuck you. <laughs> um, but yeah, My Tiny Senpai, it's, uh, it's on Crunchyroll. Um, watch it. Uh, number six, coming in, we have um, My Happy Marriage. Um, so this one is actually running on Netflix. Um, this is our only Netflix title for the for the episode. Um, well, kind of. Yeah, kind of. There's one more. Um, it comes to us from Kinema Citrus, who does pretty good work. Um, and this one, this one is like a romantic drama. It's uh, set in like the early 1900s Japan, um, and it's basically. So I actually thought that I read the manga for this. But I actually didn't. It's just I, a somewhat common storyline. I love that so yeah. much. That's um, so telling of anime at yeah. a certain point. Basically, there's this girl. Um, she comes from this family that is known for like supernatural abilities. And um, basically, she doesn't have any. Um, so her mother dies and her father remarries. And her new stepmom, obviously, they have a kid. And that kid has crazy spiritual power. 
Um, so obviously they they start treating um, the main female lead worse and worse. They treat her basically like a servant. They you know they take away all of the memories she has of her mom. Um, and eventually they decide to just marry her off, right? So they're marrying her off to this guy. He's a soldier. Um, he has a really bad reputation. Basically, every every woman who was ever sent to be his fiance, because again, reminder, this takes place in early 1900s Japan. Arranged marriage is a thing. Um, so every every fiance that gets sent to to live with him um, runs away within like a week because the he has such a bad reputation. That he's mean and cold and um, you know whatever. Um, so she gets there and she's basically like, whatever, like, you know, it's better than being dead, I guess, which is true. I don't know. Um, but it turns out that he's just like, um, he's just like really not good around people. So like, misunderstood. he's misunderstood. And also like the other women who were sent to him were like trying to marry into his family for money. And he just didn't like that. Um, but it's like a really interesting kind of supernatural romantic drama, um, and the artwork is absolutely stunning in this one. Um, we actually we were we were at Barnes and Nobles today, um, and Best Boy Dan and I took a look and we saw the cover the cover art for the manga Gorgeous. of My Happy Marriage. Absolutely stunning. Um, if you like a historical romance drama, this one is going to be directly up your alley. Oh yeah, for yeah. sure. Um, and actually something I want to talk about with this and, and another one, uh, later down on our list. Um, I've noticed that Netflix is airing this, uh, simulcast concurrently with Japan. Uh, yes. Which is new for Netflix and new and I'm about it. So good job, Netflix. Yeah. Um, keep it up if you're going to get into this game, which I generally like most of the plays you do in the... In the animated world, maybe not in the live-action world, but, uh, yeah, keep it up. Absolutely. Um, so much better than waiting for the season to finish. Oh, my God. Um, also, can we talk about how Made in Abyss is going to be on Disney Plus? That, oh, my God. <laughs> Imagine the poor kid who accidentally comes across Made in Abyss looking for a fun it cartoon. It looks cute. It does. It it's looks not. cute. <laughs> Speaking, actually, what a great transition. Speaking of something that looks cute, but is definitely not. Yeah. Uh, it's still cute, I it's think. It's still cute, yeah. Um, is number five, Dark Gathering, which uh, is another high dive pick. Um, this is from OLM Studio. Who are great. And uh, this, is, this is an interesting one. I feel like... In anime, it's pretty rare to get something in the horror genre. Um, and even rarer to get something that's halfway decent in the horror genre. Uh, and this show, I think, is straight up good. Um, it's... I don't know if it's scary so much as wickedly creepy. Yeah. Um, the imagery in it is just, like, unnerving, mm. I suppose. But also adorable. <laughs> yeah, like, I love the main character... Um, she's adorable. She's basically like creepy Kana. Yeah. Um, and one of the things, so this, this Kana, is, but if she trapped souls and dolls and tortured them. Yeah. Like, and one, <laughs> one of the sequences that really comes to mind, um, when I was thinking about this show is just like being really funny was there was one point where the main character and, um, like one of the side characters were talking to this girl and he's like, you're kind of creepy, aren't you? And she goes, Kuru beauty. 
<laughs> I was like, yes. It's it is it is very funny. It's it's kind of like a chibi slice of life horror yeah. comedy. And I love her outfit too. She's got like the MC Hammer pants with the jacket and her skull eyes. So the skull eyes so she has the main character has two pupils because uh she was in like a car accident and it allowed her to like See. No, no, she she's had the eyes and then basically so she has the two pupils because she can see the normal world and the spirit world yeah. separately. And then she's in a car accident and then she after the car accident she becomes super smart and able to see both worlds simultaneously. Yeah. And she's in this car accident with her parents and she sees this like crazy amorphous monster blob spirit thing take her like mother and father away. Just her mom. just her mother away. And, like, it is, like, that that imagery alone was, I was like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm interested to see where this show goes. Yeah, I feel like this show grabbed me way, way more, like, convincingly than Miyaruko-chan did. Because, mm-hmm. like, I understand there is an overarching storyline with Miyaruko-chan, but apparently, like, it didn't kick in until, like, episode 7 or 8. Mm. And that wasn't enough to keep me interested. Whereas this one, because I don't usually go for the horror, like supernatural genres, unless there's something else interesting about it. Um, But this had that. So, you know, it's really working for me. I really like it. Um, I'm excited to see where it goes. Yeah. All right, Best Buds. Next up we have, coming in at number four, you're going to love this title, Reborn as a Vending Machine. Now I Wander the Dungeon. We have been talking about this show for so long and i am just so happy that it's here and it is more than a meme it actually doesn't suck yeah um so this one is going to be streaming on crunchyroll it it comes to us from axis spelled weirdly uh and studio gokumi um basically this story is what the title says this guy He's driving on the highway on his motorcycle behind a truck with a vending machine in it. And the vending machine falls out and he crashes and he dies. And he's reborn in a fantasy world as a vending machine. Mm -hmm. Um, And he has the best attitude about it. Yeah, he's basically like, oh, I'm a vending machine. Okay, guess I better find some customers. He's like, not only that, he's like, you know, my new goal in life is to like... Be a service and be helpful for people. <laughs> yeah. And you also get this really great protagonist in the form of Lamas. Oh, I love Who her. is, like, his, like, chauffeur, kind of. Basically. She, yeah, his she first basically, customer. Yeah, his first customer. She is this girl. Her, She is blessed with the power of super strength, but she doesn't know how to, like, like... She she it she's too strong for her own good, so she throws herself off balance all the time and like yeah, she'll she, swing like, can't connect with enemies. Exactly. She she she'll make take these massive swings at bad guys but miss because she's too strong. Um but when she's carrying the vending machine on her back, on her back it counterbalances her so she can <laughs> it's the dumbest shit ever. Well, but, but so, it's also simultaneously very funny. So so that's what makes this show so good. Because like you're sitting here, you're like, are these two jokers really talking about like this guy got isekai'd and turned into a vending machine and yeah. they're actually telling me to watch this show. We have crossed over that threshold we were talking about earlier to shows where it's like, hey, you should check these out regardless of what genre you're into. Yeah. Um, this show is actually good because of the premise. It is so outlandish, so wild, but that 
paints the writer into a corner and makes them have to come up with creative solutions to deal with the problems that arise in the story. And sometimes they're going to be a little sillier than others. Like, there's one scene where he, like, turns into, like, a, a soda machine and then, like, a Mentos, Mentos machine. Yeah. <laughs> and they, like, there's, like, a fire toad and they, like, spray, like, Mentos foam but at it. here's the thing. It at least is using the concept of the vending machine. The only power he has that does not come from, like the power of a vending machine is he, he can create, like, a barrier. Yeah. Like, a shield. But other than that, it's all, like, okay, I'm dispensing hot food. I can dispense, you but know, so, sodas. So like, that... So, the reason I bring up that example is that's, like, kind of a silly example. But on the other side of it, you have them tackle really serious uh, issues. So, this is, like, a mild spoiler. But the townsfolk come to the vending like the the mayor of the town more or less comes and they're like hey look we're like always looking for ways to improve like public health you seem to know a lot you know we love your food it's really provided for our people what else can you do and like the the thing i also love is they didn't give the vending machine speech off the bat yeah so he has to convey things through either his pre-programmed phrases or just by dispensing things yeah so basically the only things he can say are hello please insert coins thank you for your purchase please come again you might be a winner or, yeah you, you might be a winner or sorry try again yeah that's it those are the only phrases he can use so like he has to like work around using and they, those they learn to communicate with him like yes or no which yeah. is which is interesting too um but like so to continue on this so they so he comes up with this idea and he turns into a condom vending machine and like it takes them a while to figure it out and you have all those kind of comedic moments and whatnot but like at the core of it they're like oh wait we're going to dispense these in the entertainment district thank you so much and yeah. it's like it's just it is they they specifically find and use interesting ways of him being a vending machine to further the plot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's also funny. It, it, it's not lost on me that a vending machine has a better approach to public and reproductive <laughs> health than an entire party of our <laughs> governmental system. <laughs> You're not wrong. I'm not wrong, and I wish I was. Um, but yeah, I, you know, like, I, I was kind of looking forward to Reborn as a vending machine as a meme. Um, but like now that I'm actually watching it and like, I actually really enjoy the story. <laughs> I like, do too. It's really well done because like, it makes you think like whenever you have these like fantasy isekai, it's like, oh, how's it going to deal with this problem? By being an isekai main character, he's got some sort of power that he will use to solve the problem. Whereas with this one, it's like, okay, how is he going to solve this problem with what a vending machine well, can do? Okay, so here's an interesting question, right? Like, you bring that up. There's a lot of isekais this Tons. season. Tons. We're not talking about most of them, which tells you a lot. I'm just, like, looking through, like, one sweet reincarnation... Uh, that's I think Ayaka is maybe one. No, Ayaka's not, but uh, Heretical Last Boss Queen is. Heretical Last Boss Queen. Like, Am I actually the strongest? Am I actually the strongest? Uh, like, There's at least five or six of them, and they all have the same premise of, like, this person is the strongest. Yeah. Like, I, you know, my Except level for the one great cleric. cheap. 
For now. For now. Who knows what it'll do. The Great Cleric has super business skills. Right. Which I wish I had. I don't. (laughs) don't. He was such a good businessman, it killed him, but now he uses his business powers to be a cleric. There's a reason why that one's not on our top ten. But, speaking of shows that are not quite on our top ten... But definitely warranted a conversation. Yes. Maybe not for the reasons the producers would have hoped. Maybe mm-hmm. for, maybe they wanted to start a conversation. I don't know. Maybe. It. Yeah. Um, but we want to talk about the two shows that came to us from Studio Go Hands. Weird name, first of all. We'll address that. Um, and those are The Girl I Like Forgot Her Glasses and The Masterful Cat is Depressed Again Today. Now, uh, I didn't realize that they had two shows coming out this season and... I knew that was the case when I watched The Masterful Cat is Depressed Again today because I had already watched The Girl I Like Forgot Her Glasses, and I was watching The Masterful Cat, and I was like, this is so wildly different from everything else I'm seeing this season visually that it has to be the same studio, and it was, in fact, Studio Gohans. This is full CG anime best i can tell i i think um i don't know if it's full cg it is predominantly cg uh masterful cat um has some some moments that i think are not um the um girl i like forgot her glasses i think might actually be full cg um and it's painful for me because i i read the manga for the girl i like forgot her glasses it is um it is a very really well done um, romance manga and the one thing they did do right and I will give them credit for this is the eyes in um, oh they're wild yeah the eyes in like the girl fire. I like forgot her glasses are really beautifully done and they're supposed to be because in the color sequences we get for the manga that's how they look but the CGI is just so bad it's not it's bad it's uh, it's jarring like um they, I don't know. I don't know if it's the camera angles because they they keep using like, it's like they're experimenting with unorthodox like camera angles and visual stunts. So yeah, not fully CG. Yeah, I didn't think it was fully, but it is predominantly CG. Yeah. Um, like for example, in the first episode of the girl I like forgot her glasses, there is a sequence where the main character is walking to school, and the the camera just keeps moving like. Shooting from underneath, like looking up between his it, legs, yeah, going like follows like, him from behind at the ground level, like with the focal point being his like shoes. Yeah, it's just weird. Like the cars, like are you weird. held a camera like while on a skateboard, like close to the ground. Yeah, it's um, so as a student of film, right? Like I love good cinematography. Dan, you can just say you watch porn. <laughs> yeah. Um as <laughs> let me talk to you about the camera angles in porn. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's actually funny that you bring that up because I will say that some of the the way that it did, the camera angles that we're getting in the girl like forgot her glasses are kind of camera angles you would get in porn. Yes, not in a sexual way, just in like bizarre placements. Yeah, we're not going to go deep into that thought, but just be, hearing you mention it made me think of that. But but to the point of like one of the fun things about animation and you don't necessarily see a lot unless you have 
a good director on on the product. Yeah. Right? Is, like, Mushoko Tensei is a great uh, example of really great cinematography, really great knowing where to put the camera. Right? Like, these... Anime are, like, storyboarded out. You have to know where the camera, quote-unquote, camera Yeah, when is we say camera, time. we don't mean an actual yeah. camera. It's just the, the it's view angle, yeah. And, you know, especially in anime, what you will see a lot on low-budget productions is static images, people standing in place. They'll have, you know, yeah. a reused stock image for the body. They'll only use the mouth. And this cuts down on animation, labor, and all of that. One of the things that's amazing about animation is when you have the time and the money to do it, you're not bound by the restrictions of the physical limits of the real world like we are shooting something in real life. So yeah. you can do amazing things like Ghost in the Shell or oh, Akira wow, yeah. or things like that you're just not going to get from a camera in real life. CG can also do that for you. Sometimes. I mean, video games are a great yeah. example of it. I've seen amazing cutscenes in video games. It's funny that you bring that up because a lot of the misinformation about things that are going on in the war in Ukraine are coming because of one particular video game, Arma 3, which has vis which has graphics so good that if you put like a film grain over it to make it look like it was like shot from like a GoPro or like a like a, a, a vehicle camera. Yeah. People think that it's actual combat footage from Ukraine. Yeah, I so, don't believe it. You know, what interesting hearing you mention that, that that's something I was thinking about the other day. So my my long tale of this story is all to point out that like they have all of these tools and they are using CG to get that freedom of camera movement. But whoever is controlling that camera is like uh, like this is their first time like they are just going and wild with it to me it's interesting how different it is between the girl i like forgot her glasses and the masterful cat is depressed again today because the girl i like forgot her glasses i've only seen the first two episodes and i will say that it doesn't get better in the second at least <laughs> maybe it gets better in the third but the masterful cat is depressing again today it has too much cg that is yeah. true but it is not as jarring as it it's, is with the girl I like forgot her glasses. It's not as jarring, but there are definitely, and it's specifically in movement sequences. Yeah, especially cars. Yeah. Cars are very unsettling to watch in the CG in these shows. And it, it's weird, too, because like the, at the same time, and, and I will give them a little bit of credit, because there are moments that it looks really good. Yes. Very when, few and far between. Her When her hair moves mm -hmm. is really well done. And when she takes off her glasses is really well done. Mm -hmm. but and, and even certain, like, when the camera's not going wild and, yeah. like, sweeping, you know, there's, the the scene that got me was, like, there's, it's following her up the stairs, and the camera swings over her and onto her hand touching the railing and then, like, flies up the railing. Yeah. And I'm like... Why are you showing me that? Yeah, it doesn't add anything. It doesn't. You're just you're just doing it because it's, you can. So it, it what it feels like to me, kind of. You, did you ever play the Ocarina of Time? Mm -hmm. Do you remember the beginning sequence where the the camera is following Navi, the fairy, through mm -hmm. Kokiri Village? It feels like they're doing that. It's like, oh, we're showing you the setting, and we're it's it's you know, oh, it's we're moving around, we're yeah. a fairy, but it doesn't have any place in this show because yeah. we don't need to see the setting like that because the setting is not a magical forest; it's a school. So, so I think, and 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 that brings up a good point too. Is like, 
when telling, we've talked about this on the show too, is like when telling a story, it's better to like show, not tell, right? You know, you don't just spell it out. You like kind of do it. The what they're showing is just, there's no information. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It's it's just like, it's it's pretty movements. I don't care about his shoes. Yeah. His shoes are not central to the plot. But if you did really complex camera movements that were well thought out and like showed the way maybe they interact with each other as they're passing through the school or or something like that, it, or use the camera in a way to tell the story, then you would justify it. Otherwise, exactly. it takes you out of it. And and Like, if it was something... So, like, this is just something I'm thinking of the, <laughs> off the top of my head. Just giving them notes, because we're professionals or something. Yeah. But, like... <laughs> Our animation For studio. example, <laughs> if you have, like, a, a sequence where she, like... She brushes her hair out of her face and it reveals her eye. And then, like, the camera, like, kind of swoops back to look at him making eye contact with her. That is meaningful. That shows us, like, okay, he is looking at her. And he's, something that's he's so seeing much something. harder to draw, like, that pan around to another face. Yeah. And it, it, it's it's giving us information. Whereas the, the contrast to that is the following her hand up the railing. We don't care about that. Yeah. What information is are we gaining from that? Yeah. Um, it's not telling a story. <laughs> Which, and and it, like we said, it's not as bad in The Masterful Cat is Depressed, but it's also still noticeable. It's noticeable. I think by the second episode, it's not as bad. I think the other thing that helps The Masterful Cat is Depressed again today is that the story is very funny. So you're willing to forgive a little bit of weird camera work because it's not about the visuals. It's yeah. about the, the the story being funny. Whereas a, a, a show like The Girl I Like Forgot Her Glasses, part of the show is about this guy falling in love with this girl. So we need to, we need to understand how and why that happens. And when you're showing that through CG that feels jarring, you're like, why would he fall in love with this creepy woman who moves in a way that is unnerving? <laughs> I... I need to find out why the masterful cat is so large. <laughs> I also want to know that. So okay, also, I want to know quick. why he's depressed. He doesn't seem depressed no, in the first episode. Happy. Um, so, uh, real quick, the the premise of masterful cat because it is funny and and uh, actually worth checking out, even though it's not in the proper top ten list. Is basically this woman raised this cat from a stray, and it just kind of kept growing into a giant cat. Um, it's not like a person cat. It's just a person-sized cat. Um, Justin. Yes. Would you rather fight eight cat-sized people? What what kind of question is Or... I don't even want to fight eight people-sized people. Or... One person-sized cat. <laughs> Is that eight cat-sized people or one person-sized cat? Do, do the cat-sized people... Do they have claws like cats? Like No, no, no. They're just normal people. Then eight cat-sized people, I guess. Yeah. yeah, okay. Yeah, that doesn't seem fair. A giant cat. Would because be it would have enormous here. claws. Like, it would okay. be like fighting a T-Rex. A hundred cat-sized people. Well, that's a different story then, because then they can they can swamp you. But you think you'd fare better against one? I don't think I would cat. fare well in any of these scenarios, Dan. I am incredibly sedentary. Okay. <laughs> anyway, I have I have drank four <laughs> beers in the time we've done this podcast. <laughs> so um, 
so she raises this cat up. Uh, he becomes like a human sized cat. Uh, and then he just kind of like takes care of her. He like the does food. her chores. Oh, that's the thing I wanted to talk oh, about this yeah. show. This is probably out of all the shows that we're talking about in this top 10 list today, it has the best looking food. Yeah. That doesn't kill someone. Food that kills people? Uh, the, um, the sugar sculpture that Isekai Oh, right. Well, that's not, that's not in our top 10, so it doesn't matter. Um, yeah, the, the Masterful Cat, he, he makes some banging looking food. Yeah. Um. I love that, um, everyone oh, thinks that she's, like, such a good cook. Yeah, and in, in <laughs> and reality, she's, like, she's just, like. I can't explain that it's her cat that yeah, cooks for her. And does all of the housework for her. Um, although I will say My Happy Marriage has some good looking food as well. Um, yeah, I wish I wish the the best dogs, the best boys could cook for you. Could would you want to eat what Cooper cooked? Uh, there would be no food left for me to also, eat. Also, yes. <laughs> Carlos would be like, here's half of the food. I'm sorry I ate it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, that I think is enough talking about Studio Go Hands. Um, I think it's time for us to, to really get into, this is the really tough part of the list that we, that we, we had trouble kind of putting in order. Um, we're getting into the top three. Yeah. These I, are the shows that you should be paying attention to. If you're not paying attention to anything else on this list, it should be these three shows. Which is, so here's what I will say. Like, these shows, I think, despite what you are into, you should check them out. That said, they are so super genre specific. They are. Think about it. They are. And it's interesting because they're like three, uh, two of them are somewhat related, but three pretty different genres. Yeah. Um, Very distinct, I would say. Yeah. The first one we're going to talk about today is The Gene of AI. Um, and this one, I get very strong just in terms of like the kinds of um, topics that they're tackling, vibes of Ghost in the Shell. Um, things that are talking about near future oh, ethics. What was that one that um, was like one of our top fight sequences recently? Uh, Vivi Floride Eyes Song. Vivi Floride Eyes Song. So like when we're talking about things surrounding, you know, uh, biological ethics, um, yeah. you know, AI, the right, the, you know, human rights. Anyway, let's talk about the show first before we get into that. Altered Carbon. Altered Carbon. Yeah, Altered Carbon. I mean, that's what this show reminds me it the is. most of. Yeah. Basically, the, the premise of this show is it's taking place in the somewhat near to distant future where um, people have not only, you know, become able to alter their own genomes, but also upload their consciousness into... Basically robotic bodies, and they're called, um, what are they called? They're called humanoids yeah. instead of humans. That, that distinction doesn't make sense, but... hypnotoed eyes. Yeah, they have different looking <laughs> eyes so that you can tell who's a humanoid and who's a, a normal human. Um, there are laws about what you can do, so like basically you're not allowed to, to copy big, your personality. Yeah, that's like the big number one no-no is no backups. Yeah, you can't back up your brain to re-upload it into another body later, because... There's been issues. There's been problems, and that is one of the central things of the show, but... Um, I love... There's, like... They they have all these, like, breadcrumbs of mystery building up in it. So, yeah. like, on that topic, they talk about how, like, over the last, like, 
you know, 20 years, almost every large, like, terrorist or, like, big incident has had this one person at it. Because, the crying man, yeah. Because, essentially, his consciousness was just, like, sold out to, like, black market militias. Yeah. So people just would, like, download this person and, like, use them for their nefarious deeds. Yeah. So, basically, the, the plot of the show is, it centers around this doctor, right? He is a natural human. Um, and basically his goal, he is, a, he is an above board doctor, but he's also like a black market doctor. He does like, like kind of black market humanoid medical procedures. And the reason why he does this is because he's looking for clues, um, to find the original copy of his mother's personality. His mother, so, like, allowed her cop her personality to be copied so that her son could get a very rare, expensive like treatment to save his life. Yeah, and now she's in jail for that. Her consciousness that was like you know untampered with by like science or something. Yeah, she had like something specific in her neural net that they were looking for, um, and she got caught, and she's in jail now. Yeah. Um, but basically, he wants to well, find there's a bunch of her like all over. I think there are, and he he wants to find the original copy and destroy it. Or uh, actually, it doesn't say what he we wants don't... to do with it. Yeah, but he he I, I'm assuming he wants to destroy it. But like he wants to find this original copy of his mother's personality. Um, and it's a really interesting plot because like this could very easily be a story arc in Ghost in the Shell. Yeah. Um. Or but, Black Mirror. <laughs> or Black Mirror or Altered Carbon. But they're kind of taking this this kind of ethical uh, question about, like, what if you could copy a personality and, and download it into other bodies and stuff. And they're, they're basically extrapolating it into an entire series where they're going to explore this kind, of, uh, this kind of topic. Did you get a chance to watch the second episode? No, I've only seen the first episode so far. So, so I won't go into, like, too much details of it, but... So what I love about the second episode, too, is that it kind of reinforces that this is, like, it kind of pauses from the main story. And, like, the Doctor is, like, present, but he's kind of, like, witnessing this other story going on. And it's, it, it is more or less just a meditation on the, what the kind of, you know, rules around the physicality of these bodies would be. So it focuses on the story of, uh to track uh, friends who have, like, been friends for years. Yeah. And one's humanoid and one's human. And, you know, does a humanoid have, like, limits to them? You know, can they improve, you know, through hard work? Like, and it delves into, like, the ethics and the kind of philosophy behind all of this sort of stuff. And it's really just a meditation on that for an entire episode. Yeah. Which is really interesting that it's just, it's taking the time to really say like, Hey, we're going to raise all these heady issues and we're going to like, not only just, you know, have this, you know, sci-fi show, but we're going to explore these and like, maybe not give you an answer, but like show you what does this look like in practice? Yeah. Which is, fun for a story like that and and i love to see something fleshed out yeah especially like when you're it's it's obviously not directly related to any of the kind of questions that we're talking about in our current you know current events but there are similarities you know um well it's always the question of like technology and progress and yeah like what is what does it mean for you know uh, a machine to be able to do the things that a human can do, uh, especially now that we're talking about AI with ChatGPT and you know 
we've got the Writers Guild is on strike because of and one of the major things that they're that they're looking for in their contract has to do with protections from AI. Yeah. Um, and you also have the whole, like, Theseus' ship, like, yeah. thing going on with this. Like, what actually makes a human? Like the, Exactly. You know? and, and if you replace all of the parts of a person, are they still a person? And then, like, it's like a, every seven years, every single cell in your body has been replaced. Yeah. Or are you still the same person? Yeah, so many... So many questions, um, and I think this show tackles it in a really interesting way. And the Doctor's hot. Doctor is super hot. Uh, like, I'd he is him. a cool I'd beauty. let him fuck me. <laughs> he's, he's got that, like, Gojo cool. white hair, blue eyes. Cool to beauty. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, like, it, regardless of what you're into, check out the gene of AI. Um, but if you are into hard sci-fi, this will get you hard. Wow, that was how long have you been waiting to do that one? I came up with that one on the spot. I'm Did you really? Proud of that. Okay, yeah, yeah. impressive. <laughs> um, and that brings us to our penultimate list uh, item. And it, you know what? I, I think we had kind of discussed it's hard to put these as two in one. Um, it's kind of the story of, of like two different takes. Yeah. Um, so I, I we'll just kind of tell you both of them. Um, we have Undead Murder Farce as number two, and Zom 100, Bucket List of the Dead, as number one. Um, yay! Yay! <laughs> uh, Zom 100 uh, comes to us from Bug Films, and this is their first venture out um, by themselves. Like, they've done work on, like, Jujutsu Kaisen and, and other stuff in the past, but, like... For a first time out, I think it is really well animated. Yeah, the animation is phenomenal. Um, and this is our other Netflix show, but this also is available on Crunchyroll. And also Hulu. And Hulu. Yeah, so it's, it's kind of available everywhere. Which is great. I'm I'm all about uh, more people uh, getting to see that. Especially because we originally thought it was going to be in, in Disney Jail. Yeah. yeah that was, that was, that. Dan was so mad about that. I was really mad. Because I've, I've actually read the manga, which we'll get to in a second, too. Uh, and uh, Undead Murder Farce comes to us from Lappin Track and is available on Crunchyroll. Now, the the reason why we put them as as two in one is right out the gate, Undead Murder Farce like blew both Justin and I away. Like, uh, it is unique and great, but we only have three episodes to go off of, and you know, to put it as number one on the list. Uh, is tricky when Zom 100, with two episodes out, are both very good episodes. Um, but it, it, Zom 100's a little bit more of a slow-burning show, right? Mm. It's it's a shonen, so they have to kind of build up their whole group. So, you know, I think in the third episode, they'll introduce the next character. And, you know, we'll kind of get the whole team together. And, and questions and hilarity will ensue. Is the next character the booby samurai? No, she's the character after that. She comes soon. Okay. Well, we're definitely going to get her in the first season. She's great. I want the booby samurai. <laughs> um, she's a uh, like German foreign exchange student. Oh, even better. Anophile. So play, play the German <laughs> song here. So yeah, not the um, Nazi one. <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh, Zom 100 is like one of those shows that like because the first two episodes were done really well, and I know the rest of the show is going to be great. Like 
it is a full-throated recommendation from us. Hey, yo. Um, but yeah, let's let's start by talking about Undead Murder Farce a little bit. Yeah. Um, do you want to tell us the, the plot? Yeah, sure. So Undead Murder Farce, it kind of centers around... So it initially is centered around Japanese folklore, right? So you kind of have uh, this concept of... Japan in the uh, you know approaching modernity and it exists as this world where all of Japanese folklore is real, right? All the yokai, all the monsters, it's all real. Mm-hmm. But uh, as part of Westernization, Japan has decided to kill all of its like monsters and folklorish you know spirits and stuff, and they call it the Great Purge, right? And basically, in this world where as we come into the setting. There are very few yokai uh, and Japanese folklore beings left. And one of them is our main character who is a half-oni. And his power, in, in this world, the power of the oni is the oni causes damage to folklore and, and monsters that cannot be regenerated. So the oni is like the ultimate killing machine of... Um, Japanese folklore in this setting. And basically what he's doing is he's working as part of a circus where his act is they will bring in, they manage to find some of the few left like monsters and magical creatures and like the he fights the super dangerous ones in the ring for entertainment, right? Mm-hmm. And um you know, he he's known as the the demon. What is it? What do they call him? The the demon hunter or the demon something? Demon barber of Fleet Street. Probably not that. <laughs> um, but basically, like they don't realize that he's that he's a half oni. They think he's a human who's good at killing monsters, right? Um, but in reality, he is a half oni and a ticking time. Bomb. He is a ticking time bomb because the oni half of him is going to consume the human part of him, and when it does. He's basically going to go on a ramp, a killing rampage and kill everybody. And that's the reason why he works at this circus because he's like, okay, so, you know, I have to do this, you know, to make a living. But someday I'll snap and kill all of these horrible people who like to enjoy this type Which of entertainment. Is not a bad plan. Yeah, I mean, if you have to go out. But basically he's offered a way out of this by um, an immortal being. I forget the Japanese name of it, but it is the name for this being that, that for the most part cannot die. Um, except for the fact that an Oni has be- decapitated her. So she is living as a as a decapitated head. She can't regenerate the rest of her body because an Oni was the one who caused the damage, and that means that it can't be regenerated. Um, and basically, she she's like, hey, I want you to kill me, right? Because who would want to live as just a head? That sucks. Um, but he offers her an alternative instead because it turns out the person that, that killed, that decapitated her and took her body is the same person that made him into a half Oni. Mm -hmm. Um, so he wants to hunt that person down and he figures like, you know, if we work together, we can get your body back and then I can get revenge. Um, and the thing that she's offering him in return is the extension of his life. So basically he, he, you know, her... Um, power will allow him to extend his life and fend off the the inevitable um, degradation into madness that he's going to uh, to happen. So they basically become um, they go over to Europe, which is the last lead that they had of the guy that that took her body and turned him into a half oni, and they become like supernatural detectives. Yeah. So they're basically like Sherlock Holmes and Watson, but 
Japanese folklore monsters. Because Sherlock Holmes and Watson actually exist in this world. Yes, exactly. So Sherlock Holmes and Watson, spoiler alert, exist in the world of this show as actual people. Um, so that's one of the other things that I really like about this show. Yeah. Is it, it's just really goofy, uh, but at the same time, like, really action-driven. The storyline is really interesting. Too. So the first, like, you have that kind of establishing in the first episode, everything that Best Boy Justin just said. And then the next episodes are just a whole story arc mystery about, like, who killed a vampire. Yeah, it's like a vampire murder mystery. And it's and it's fun. It's yeah. like, I'm, I feel like I'm watching, like, Glass Onion, but, like, with, you know, Oni. <laughs> yeah, and, like, it's cool because, like, they get all... You have all of the different, like, folklore, like, monsters. So, like, you have these... They... they they interact in ways that you would expect, right? So vampires, obviously, they live at night. Yeah. They need to drink blood to survive. But, like, this particular vampire family has sworn to only drink animal blood and they'll never drink human blood again. I also love, like, there's, like, he has one bad interaction with one of the vampires and you kind of see, like, Oni versus vampire, which is, like, where else are you going to see that, like, combination? I love the yeah. idea. And and I... I it's like I the Pirates really, vs. Ninjas phenomenon. I really hope that they bear this out further, too. Like, I would love to see them, like, come over to, like, the Americas or, like... Do, like, a Wendigo versus Oni. Yeah, like, stuff like that. <laughs> or, werewolf. Like, like, Quetzalcoatl or something. I don't know if they're gonna go that far, but... <laughs> they just have Quetzalcoatl from uh, Dragon Maid oh coming. Oh, my God. <laughs> versus an Oni. I, I, Luko, I would win. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've already talked about how Toru can defeat Goku. <laughs> and we mean it. Yes. Uh, at us. Don't uh, at me. Don't at us. We don't know. You can at Dan. Don't at me. No, we don't. We don't tweet. We're on. We're on threads now. No, no we're, we're not. not. <laughs> we're, we're on Instagram. That's it. Yep. Come find us on Instagram. Don't. Um. Yeah. So it. It's. Listen. It, if you like mysteries, this, and and supernatural, this is firmly up your alley. Yeah. Yeah. I love this one. Also, one thing that we've been talking about how good it is. You know, story wise. Uh, visually, it is gorgeous, but also um, it is hilarious. The yeah. the 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 comedic elements, especially between the oni and the um, you know the uh, headless woman, the headless woman, or, or actually, she's just a head. She doesn't have a body. <laughs> she's the bodiless woman. I don't know how that works. Uh, anyway, the the comedic um, tension between them is hilarious. Like the dialogue is really funny. Um, he like offers her like food and she's like, no, I put on weight recently. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's just really funny. Really well done show. Highly, highly recommend this show. Really came out of nowhere. Well, yeah. I was not expecting it. I hadn't heard anything about it prior. Um, you know, what's interesting too. Um, I looked it up, uh, cause I was curious if I just maybe had missed it. Cause you're not a hack and a fraud like I am. Uh, it's, so it was originally a novel. Okay. Uh, not a light novel, like a straight it's novel. A novel novel? Um, okay. There were three novels that were released, and then it was made into a manga afterwards, but the manga only had three volumes. Interesting. So there's not a ton of source material to go off of, but I'm, like, shocked because I just the setup of it, I'm like, give me more of this. Like, I could watch monster murder mystery of the week like three episode arcs like back to back to back and be super happy absolutely yeah like even if this you know if they just did this for a couple seasons where we just got murder mysteries that would be totally fine with that um something that we are going to well we already you already know what it is i don't have to do the lead up to it we'll switch over to zone 100 now which has 
10 volumes in English out already, and I think even more out. Um, there's a lot of good material to come from this show. Um, it is basically following uh, this office worker who has been in this job for three years. He works for a black company, um, which if you haven't heard us talk about before, uh, is in reference to an exploitative company. That's what it's called in Japan, uh, where he like goes in the first day, you know, he's excited. He got a job in his field right out of college. Um, and like he goes in, he has a great first day. Uh, they go out for dinner and drinks afterwards and then everyone's like, all right, back to the office. And he's like, wait, what? (laughs) And then he works for three days straight, like right off the bat. Um, and you just, and the, the thing that I love about it is, so this is, this is a great example of cinematography, this show, the way they use the camera and especially color in it Mm, is unbelievable. Absolutely. So you start out, it starts in full color. And as the story progresses, it does an excellent job of kind of building up this world. And in the course of not even the full first episode, I'd say maybe the first 12 minutes, it really paints a picture that will carry with you throughout the whole series of how horrible working for this company was, how it drove him near to the point of suicide, to the point where literally and, you know, artistically, all the color has drained from the world. And you kind of get to this point where he's, like, you know, staring down a train and, like, I wish these doors weren't here to block me and, like, there's no color left in the world. And, you know, he he gets up, he goes to another day of work, and he goes to, like stop by his building manager's office and like you see like hints of color or you don't even see that yet because nothing's changed yet you see like blood splatter behind him yeah and stuff and but it's all still in black and white and then he sees like his boss or his um his like building manager um as a zombie and like the blood is kind of like polychromatic and and in this kind of weird trippy like art paint splattery type way i wonder how they're going to censor that in china i'm wondering if they if don't they have would, to because it's different colors, but they do yeah. have scenes where it is just straight up red blood yeah, too yeah, yeah. um so that the, would be the cum blood yeah <laughs> so you just have this really well done sequence and i love again love the animation and the cinematography of this sequence too because there's one shot that has been in the manga, the anime, and this is getting a live-action adaptation, I think, next month on oh, Netflix. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah. Um, where he gets chased by all these zombies, and there's this huge horde coming after him, and he breaks through onto the roof, and he looks over, and he sees just, like, smoke billowing out of the city and a plane going down into the city. Mm, and yeah, I remember that scene. And that, that exact moment is the moment that it hits him that he doesn't have to go to work and all of the color explodes back into the show Mm -hmm. and and you just get this unbridled joy of like i don't have to go to work Mm -hmm. and and i love how much it like celebrates that and and as the show goes on it 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 is called Bucket List of the Dead because he writes, you know, all the things that he wants to do um, now that he doesn't have to work. And it, it just makes for 
ridiculous stories because he'll put things on the list and you're like, I mean, the premise of the show is he has to do everything on the list. So how is he going to go skydiving? Like how, you know, I mean, he could go base jumping, maybe finding. Okay. I will say finding a competent parachute rigger in the apocalypse will be difficult, but not impossible. So what I will say is. Almost everything that seems completely outlandish, the way they find to do it is hilarious. Okay. And makes sense within the context of this story. Um, it is... Ultimately, this is a zombie comedy. And I can assure you, it fires so well on both ends. It tells a really great story about, like, following what is important to you. Right. Um, the mangaka, the story they did before this was Alice in Borderland, which is like this like death game like thing, super dark and whatnot. This is every edition of the manga. The author like writes like things that they like are trying to do to like not take like the world for like granite and like just like kind of like appreciate life and not just slaving away at like some corporation. So, yeah. There is a nice message to it, and it's funny, and it's a good zombie show. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, that's one of the things, too, that we're, we're seeing a lot lately, especially. Like, obviously, it's always been a theme, but lately, we're seeing a lot of storylines that are centered around how bad it is to work in Japan for these black companies. At and least five shows this season have yeah, as a premise. And that's... A little worrying. <laughs> um, obviously, it's 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 media, it's entertainment. It's going to be exaggerated to a certain extent. But we do know that work culture in Japan can be very exploitative. And I say in Japan, but I mean... <laughs> like it's not here. Everywhere. Especially here. Um, and it's just... It's interesting to see as a symbol of the times, too. Like, a show where... A zombie apocalypse happens, and the first thing the main character thinks is, "Oh my god, I don't have to go to work tomorrow." Yeah, right. And it, because so, I have I have read and heard stories about similar reactions to the COVID pandemic, mm -hmm. where people obviously you know things changed when we realized what was actually happening. But like for the first couple weeks, we just thought, "Oh, it's a really bad flu. I don't have to go to work for two weeks, right?" Um, and, you know, I've heard stories of people who were like, yeah, my job before COVID was so bad that when COVID happened, I was relieved that I didn't have to go to work. Mm. Um, obviously, things turned out differently from that. But, like, <laughs> um, yeah, like, it, it's interesting that what that says about our society, I don't know. Yeah. I, I it doesn't say anything good, but I, I love also he gets like a, a catchphrase throughout the show, which is basically like I'd rather blank, uh, or I would rather be eaten by a zombie than live one more day without blank. Yeah, yeah, yeah and, yeah. and I, I just the first one is that. beer. <laughs> oh yeah, did you end up watching the second episode? Yeah, I watched the second episode. I, I heard the beer song. I f I figured that one would speak to you. <laughs> I loved that they showed that sequence. From his point of view, mm -hmm. and from the other character's point of view. It really, uh, that was something different from in the manga. Which they didn't really, show both. Yeah, which really kind of fleshes out that that view more. Yeah. Which I thought was interesting. Because it not only it not only shows you the different perspectives on what happened in the convenience store, it also shows you their different approaches to surviving the zombie apocalypse. So, like... He has the 100 things I want to do before I get eaten by a zombie. And mm -hmm. she has the 100 things I want to do 
to keep from being eaten by a zombie. Yeah. And I think that dynamic is really interesting. That dynamic actually pops up a lot throughout the show. Like, one point later on, there's, like, a bad guy who's, like... 100 things I want to fuck up before I become a zombie. Okay, fair, fair. <laughs> so, like, there's kind of... But it, but it is an interesting, also, meditation on how people deal with these kind of apocalyptic situations. Obviously, super exaggerated for a comedy show and right. whatnot. But, you know, certain points. Like, there are people who would be like, the world's gonna end, fuck it, I'm just gonna fuck shit up. You know? Yeah, I mean, it is an interesting survey on the ways in which work culture has changed our outlook on emergencies and like global yeah, catastrophes. Yeah. That's, a, that's a really interesting point too. Because when you think about it, I don't know, you were old enough to remember 9-11, um, but like you didn't live here during 9-11. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel the like side of the, country. The, the reaction where... For those of you who don't know yet, we record this in New York, the great state of New York, Excelsior. Nine <laughs> Eleven um, was a way; di- it had a way different reaction than COVID did, because those were like the two, the, in my lifetime, the two biggest catastrophes that uh, we had. I, I have the most distinct memory and of being at work. And looking at my phone and going, hey, there's an insurrection happening right now. Should we be working? <laughs> an insurrection. Oh, you're talking about January 6th? Yeah. Okay, that was a different thing. But, like, but yeah. But um, to the point of, like, where, like, crazy world change, you know, war in Ukraine. Yeah. You know, COVID, like, all this stuff. And people are still like, oh, Fuck this! I had so much to do on Monday. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm more talking about like at, like like things that would keep you from going to work. So like yeah. January 6th, I remember that I was working for UPS at the time, and it was more of an afterthought. I was just looking at my phone. I was like, "Oh, hey, Kenny, uh, I guess people are trying to take over the Capitol." Um, <laughs> anyway, continue working. But no, like 9/11 was handled by society way different than COVID was. And I wonder how much of that has to do with, like... The internet. With the internet, with work (laughs) culture, with, like... You know, when 9-11 happened, it was like, oh, we all have to band together. We're all American. But, like, when COVID happened, it was like, well, fuck it. I don't have to go to work. I'm not going to wear a mask because fuck you. Um, And I mean, this this is a crazy rabbit hole to get down because, like, you know, you can also... If you look back to that time, too, that was, like, the beginning of the 24-hour news media cycle yeah, and yeah. all that. Yeah, and, like, and I, I remember I was homesick from school when we invaded Iraq. Like, I remember watching the invasion on TV while I was supposed to be sick. I don't think I was actually sick. I think I lied, but... Well, and and so I think an interesting point to that, too, is that I think one of the things that has made work culture so intense lately too is that like these big sorts of things happen right like where normally you would have to like I from going back to 9-11 for me like our I was in high school at the time like our classes stopped we put the television on because that was the only way to get the information at that time like I mean you could have gone online but like news media online was not 
what it was today. Like, news was television or radio or newspapers. Um, but, like, even now, it's like that is now just an alert on your phone. Yeah, yeah, it's way different. So, like, and it's, and it, it is almost expected to, like, whatever's going on, like, put your head down and get back. Yeah, because, like, yeah, it was different for me. I was in middle school at the time, and I was actually, like, here in New York, and there was no information. Mm. They were, like, some, like, I remember the first thing that they told us, like, yeah, something got bombed somewhere. <laughs> and, you know, that is so different from, like, I remember when COVID was happening. Maybe it's because COVID was a little more slow well, we burning. A, yeah, we had a few months lead time to that one. But, like, I feel like the way we handled it was different. I don't know. We're getting way deep into a rabbit hole. So, the point to, is to bring this all back. We're talking about work culture and popular media. So, with ZOM 100, I think what is so poignant about it is that it takes something like the zombie apocalypse, which is the whole point of that big, large side tangent, yeah. to snap people out of something. Like, you need something on a scale, like, Titanic world-ending scale almost to break people of this, like, Monday through Friday, nine like, to five. Like, you have to you, work. You're lucky if it's nine to five. I, yeah. yeah, but, like, this grind culture work, like... Grind set. Ooh, yeah. I hate that word. <laughs> so, uh, interesting that that it is coming up a lot in media. I think Zom 100 is the perfect meditation on it that I recommend everyone go watch. Even if you're not, a like, a zombie person, like, the show is funny. Um, there are some wild situations like yeah i just i can't wait for everyone to see what happens at the aquarium <laughs> and it's also it's very well animated too that oh, it's like their first time out by themselves yeah which is wild to me because the animation is phenomenal the color work is great um yeah highly recommend uh zom 100 really really great show and it's gonna come in at the number one for us this time around yeah so uh yeah if you want to take a chance see undead murder farce if you want to see something that you know will be good i'll rephrase that you should watch undead murder <laughs> you should watch until them. until otherwise notified and the gene of ai I, i'm curious best boy justin uh, for you what are the shows you're most excited to stick with so the shows that i'm most excited to stick with zom 100 undead murder farce gene of ai of course um looking back through the list that we have um reborn as a vending machine my happy marriage my tiny senpai uh, I'm gonna keep watching. Uh, Are you gonna keep watching Girl? Uh, I like forgot her glasses. I am, but I'm not excited about it. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> that says. Um, and uh, Reign of the Seven Spellblades, just because I'm really enamored with the animation. I'm glad you're gonna watch it because I'm not. But if it gets good, I want you to tell me. <laughs> okay. Yeah, and I mean, as far as I'm, I'm watching all of the returning shows, of course, um, I'll probably keep for another episode or two on Masterful Cat is Depressed Again. Um, but there are also some shows that we that didn't make the top ten that I'm probably going to keep watching. Um, like Most Heretical Last Boss Queen, I actually kind of like. Uh, it's the first one of this genre that I've actually enjoyed. Oh, I'm surprised you're you're gonna like actually like keep watching that one. I mean, I might not forever, but I'm gonna at least give it a couple more episodes. Same with like The Dreaming Boy is a Realist. Um, I, I I found something in that that was interesting to me, so I'll probably keep watching I that for another couple episodes or two. It's definitely not top ten, but there's yeah, something but... there that I was just interested in. Yeah. Um, maybe the Great Cleric. I don't know. Uh, liar, liar, definitely not. 
Um, and I think that about covers it. You said I should watch Saint Cecilia and the par, uh, Pastor Lawrence. I, I think you might enjoy it. It's like a uh, like romance about like a saint and a pastor. I just couldn't recommend it because I hate the church. Okay, <laughs> hate the church. Fuck the church. Uh, what what are you gonna keep watching at this point? In? Um. So. Oh, also, Roroni Kenshin is out. We didn't talk about it for reasons. Yeah. Well, Use your Google. Yeah. Um. I would say that, I mean, I'm definitely the top three. Um, Zom 100, uh, Undead Murder Farce, and Gene of AI I'm really interested in uh, watching. Definitely Reborn as a Vending Machine um, and Dark Gathering. Uh, outside of that, uh, Jujutsu Kaisen and Mushoko Tensai. You should like also my watch My Happy Marriage. Um, and I will at least check out a couple more episodes of My Happy Marriage, because um, it's already downloaded on my phone for mm. the train for Monday. <laughs> and well, I think there you go. that brings us to the end of our summer 2023 What to Watch list. A little bit of something for everyone. Yeah, I think that I think this list actually, you know, some 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 of them end up stacking weird ways than others. I remember the last one we did had a lot of isekais on it. Um, this one does not. I think this one actually really does have a lot for everybody. And, you know, let us know. Hit us up on Instagram at bestboys underscore pod. You can send us an email at thebestboyspod at gmail.com. Um, let us know what you're watching. You know, what do you think of our top ten list? What would you do differently? What did we miss that you're super excited about? Um, uh, we would love to hear from you. And also, don't forget to tell your friends about us. Rate and review. Five stars. Let us know how you like the show. It helps us out a lot. Um, it also just helps us know like we're going in the right direction. So if there's something you want to see differently, let us know, and we'll uh, we'll we'll adjust accordingly. Yeah. Um, if you want uh, Shogi Part Two, let us know. I don't know if I could talk about much more about Shogi. I think I covered everything that I'm gonna ever cover about it. <laughs> no, we're gonna infiltrate the Shogi. Like, yeah, we're world. gonna we're gonna be the first the Western side. Shogi Grandmasters. Yep. I doubt it. <laughs> I'm not even good at regular chess. I doubt I'm gonna be good at Japanese chess. Um, but yeah, that does it for us this week. Um, you know, I think uh, Best Boy Dan, we were talking about doing a catch-up episode for our next episode. Was that is that something still on your radar? Or? Yeah, uh, that uh, might be the next episode. You'll just have to wait and see. We might uh, bring back some shows that we uh, finally got around to finishing and tell you about. Yeah, absolutely. But until then, thank you very much for tuning in. Um, we love about forty percent of you, and uh, yeah, stay safe till next time. Bob. Bob! You know what you did. Bob.